Well, good morning, everybody. Praise God. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for all that come to my home in McKinney, Texas. And thank you all for coming online, all my faithful online listeners. God bless you. Praise God. I'm so glad you're here. And you know, I'm glad to be back from vacation. I hope you, you missed me and I hope you're ready to get back this week. I uh, had a trip planned with my son since the beginning of summer. And so we finally got to go on it. And it was a wonderful trip and, and uh, it was wonderful to go, but it was also wonderful to come back. Anyway, Praise God. I'm so glad we're here today, back in Gospel Saving Church, ready for the Word of the Lord. Uh, if this is your first time listening to me, hello, I'm Pastor Ed Spagnoli, and this is Gospel Saving Church, one of God's true churches of these last days, and this is our weekly broadcast of truth from God's Word. Well, we always start with a word of prayer to ask God to help us understand the Word and other things, so if you guys would please join me, let's, uh, let's ask the Lord's blessing on this message and on our hearts and on my mouth. Lord, uh, thank you so much for bringing us here today, Lord. Thank you so much for just, Lord, letting us wake up this morning. Lord, as those in my home here in McKinney and those online that are listening, Lord, we those that are listening, Lord, we got to wake up and we got to have another beautiful day on this earth. Lord, um, Father God, it, it, it's a miracle. Life is a miracle. And thank you for giving it to us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand this message today. Help us to Help me to speak it and help those that are listening to understand it. Lord, and as I prayed earlier, Lord, I, I do pray that this message would, would make for some heart changes, Lord. Some heart changes in some major areas, Lord, and in four major areas, of course, total, that I'm going to be covering on my message today. Please, Lord, change our hearts and help us to grow closer to you, Lord, for those of us that are yours, and help those that are not yours, Lord, to come to you for the first time or back to you if they've been away from you. We thank you and we love you and we praise you, Lord God in heaven. And we ask these things, all these things, in the only name we can, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 20 today, verses 32 through 38. We're going to finish out Acts chapter 20 today. I'll give you a moment to open up your Bibles. Title of today's sermon, Giving Everything Over to Jesus Christ giving everything over to Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 20, verses 32 through 38. I'm going to read them. You guys can read along with me, or you guys can just listen along, whatever you'd like. The Bible says this. So now, brethren, Paul speaking, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Verse 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, souring most of all for the words which he had spoke, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. So to recap, over the last few weeks, of course, we weren't here last week, but over the last few weeks, we've been reading an entire account between Paul and the Ephesian elders. Remember, Paul was about to leave them. They would see his face no more. That means he'd never return. Uh, but he had to tell them this detail because he hadn't gotten there yet before this whole section, as well as some other major details that he had to tell them. Up to this point, three weeks ago, Paul reminded them of how he lived among them, serving, not being served. This is just like Jesus Christ lived, being their faithful preacher, uh, preaching to them in their houses, out in the open city, in the midst of all those that hated him and his message of Jesus Christ. Paul also taught them, he reminded them that he taught them the whole counsel of God's word, not just the candy-coated bits and the ice cream parts, but the meat and the potatoes and the vegetables and all the, the, you know, the, the, the tough things to digest, right? And then in the midst of his reminding them of all these things, he gets to the hardest part for them to bear. He is leaving them and he will not return, so they will not see his face anymore. This detail brings all of them to tears by the end of Paul's discourse. We'll see that at the end of our message today. 
Then two weeks ago, we read of the second part of his discussion with them. His discussion with them was way, it was way too much information and all the different verses that we had to look over for this section. So the second part of this discussion was in light of the fact that he was leaving them, where he wanted to go over the facts of the terrible things that were going to happen to them in their church, as well as there as the leaders, as the, as the elders of this church, their responsibilities for the church and its members. He, he tells them, remember, outside savage wolves are going to come in and attack them and attack their congregation. And even sadder than that, Paul says, even those whom we know right now, those would rise up from among you, he says, and they're going to speak deceitful things and, or ungodly things and even try to draw away those in the church after themselves, which of course meant that they were trying to draw them away from God's church and away from the fellowship of God's church that God had planted there through Paul in Ephesus. And these elders' responsibilities, remember, were to shepherd. And what does a shepherd do? A shepherd protects. Uh, So they were supposed to shepherd or protect the flock that God had made them overseers over, as well as be their watchman on the wall. Remember, hey guys, look out, the devil's coming. Hey, look out guys, the the, the people of the devil are coming and they're going to come in many forms. Be careful, be careful, be careful just as Paul had done with them for the three full years that he was there prior to his leaving. All of this info was definitely overwhelming for a lot of them to bear. Again, we'll see it at the end of the message, but as difficult and overwhelming as news was for them to bear, believe it or not, it was also overwhelming for Paul himself to bear. We see this in the very first verse, verse 32, where the title of our message comes from in this very first verse of our very first section here. Uh, first verse 32 again. So now brethren, speaking to his, 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 his the, the fellow Christians there, the elders there that are going to lead the church, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst all those who are sanctified. Paul loved them so much. Uh, He was with them, as I had mentioned, day in and day out for three whole years. In case you didn't know, FYI, or by the way, kind of thing, whatever, however you want to say it, he had never up until this point spent three whole years in one place like this. He had been years more, but not in a place where he had planted the church, where he was a leader, where he was, you know, the head elder, the head head overseer. He had never spent three whole years in any place before this ever. But despite his love for them, God was calling him away to his final journey of his life, to Jerusalem first, then to Rome, and he had to obey. He had to obey. Why? Remember, Jesus Christ and God, they were his God. He wasn't his own God anymore. He didn't run his own, he didn't drive his own car. He didn't sail his own ship anymore. God was his God and God said it's time to go and so he had to leave them. He had to leave them. But he knew that the poop was about to hit their literal fan. Remember all the bad things that he said that were coming? And, and of course, when you love someone, do you really want all those bad things to come upon them? I mean, I, I know... I love people. I don't like it when bad things happen even to people that aren't even people that I know personally that I love like my family. I don't even want bad things to happen to them, let alone my family whom, you know, I've raised for, you know, 20 some odd years and and, oh my goodness, I, I couldn't imagine. So Paul, he doesn't like it. He doesn't like it that he knows he's leaving and he knows that they're going to fall into all this terrible, all these terrible things, all these terrible things are going to happen to him. So I'm leaving them and and telling them all these difficult revelations that God had shown him, because remember, God had shown him all these things, and that were going to come upon him, and this knowledge being too much for him to bear, he says the beginning of verse 32, and so now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Him commending them to God is him giving them over to God. Him giving them over to the word of God's grace, well, God's word and God's grace are the only things people can count on is truth and to not fall into deception and the light in the midst of darkness of this sinful world to stay on the right path with Jesus Christ. On Paul's side, though, what is it called when he or we or anyone gives something over to God? What's that called? Does anybody know? Think in your minds, we give it over. What's that mean? What's that a picture of? Well, the Bible says that's a picture of surrender. 
This type of surrender is so important for God's kids, so important that it'll be my first major point of today's message. This type of surrender Paul displays for us in this section is the surrender for God's kids as they walk with Jesus Christ. There is a surrender to become a child of God, and that is different than what Paul says here. So Paul's speaking of a surrendering them, all that he knows about what's going to happen to them, all his angst over what's going to happen to them when he leaves, that he knows it's going to happen. It's too much for him. He has to give it over, surrender it over to God because it's too much for him to bear. For this part of my sermon, I will address the surrender or giving over the Paul displays here for God's kids. At the end of the message, I will talk about the type of surrender to become a child of God because they are similar, but they are so, so, so different. The surrender for us as God's children. And, and I, I really hope that this hits home with all of you because it was hitting home with me as I, was, as I was making this message. And of course, we all need to grow in this area. Often in our lives, in, in God's kids' lives, those of you out there listening that, are belong to, that do belong to God, that are God's spiritual children, uh, issues with you know, things like work, relationships, chores, school or homeschool, being a teacher, setting up lesson plans so you can teach, having the time to do that, making the time to do that, taking care of a super ill loved one, finances or money. Uh, there, there, there's no money to pay the rent and we're about to be served an eviction notice. And, and the list can go on and on and on. The, the car is broke down or, or the car is sputtering and not running right and we got to take it to the mechanic, but where, where's that money going to come from? And I mean, the, the list can go on and on and on and on and on. The things that happen to us, the things that we fall into, that what? And these things are often simply what? Just way too much for us to handle. They are. These things can often be way too much for us to handle, even on a daily basis. Amen? Amen. And we all have them, and we all deal with these things that I've just mentioned. And, and, and I mean, if you have a pulse, that is, if you're alive, you, you all have those things that you have in your life that are way too much for you to handle, and that's an absolute fact. Yes, every Christian that is living in the flesh body has to deal with these issues and more that are way too much for them to handle, but what's the right answer as to how we should deal with them properly? What is the right answer? Well, I can tell you this right now. From my before Christ days, that kind of not that they carried over, but of course it's easy to fall back, right? It's easy to fall back to what's easy. But our natural man, woman, or child wants to deal with them by, well, let's see the first reason. Let's, especially in America here, we just look at each other's waistlines, gluttonous eating. So we call comfort foods. There's a reason that that term came to be about. Life is too much, and so I can't handle any things. And where do you run? You run to the refrigerator. You run to the cupboard. Comfort foods. That's our flesh person. That's what our flesh person wants to do. But does that help us? No, that just helps us die early and have to take lots of drugs to keep us alive and causes us to have high blood pressure. And now that's not a good one. That when things become too much, that's not a good one for us to handle that way. Uh, another one, being consumed with our jobs. Work and more work. Work, 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 work. What does that help us do? Why does work, why does going to work and consuming ourselves in our work, something that we all naturally want to do when problems we have at home or problems wherever that we have that we can't deal with them. Well, when we work, what happens is, is that keeps our minds off of thinking about those things. And does, does working excessively help us to actually fix the problem or help us to deal with the problem? No. All that does is keeps us away from our family, makes us more tired, and then really we don't solve the problem. We're running away from the problem. So that's not a good way to deal with issues that are too much for us. Uh, let's see another one. Well, some people like to listen to music. That's a running away. Some people just fall into depression. That's not dealing with it. That's, that's meditating on it and not thinking about a fix. Some people fall to drugs. Some people uh, smoke cigarettes in order to deal with issues. Some people go to the bottle. They run to alcohol. Some people get themselves consumed in sex, sexual activities. Or here's another one that's really popular in America, shopping. Well, things are just too much. I just got to go to the store. 
to somehow spending $500 of money that I don't have when I'm already short on the rent, that's, that's going to help me somehow. I, I, don't know, I don't know how, but that's going to help me somehow. I'm going to go shopping. Well, the list can go on and on and on. But do all these things help us with the issues that are way too much for us to handle? No, absolutely not. These issues that are too much for us to handle are, are like gangrene. Right? We get gangrene, we get a cut, and we, get, we don't take care of it, and then all of a sudden we, we don't really, you know, we just kind of, you know, put a Band-Aid on it, but it's like trying to put a Band-Aid on gangrene. and It doesn't make the gangrene go away. It just hides it so that it festers underneath and, and then eventually makes you die. And that's what these things do. That's what handling your issues that are way too much for you to handle, that's what, that's what handling them in those ways is like. And, and so if those ways aren't the right way, to deal with them and and I know again because I had a before Christ day and I know that was the way I a lot of those ways were the way I ways I handled my issues that were way too much for me and I know that, that they didn't fix anything in fact they just made my issues worse if I was having problems and I ran to the bottle then my problems got worse because I was short with the money from the bottle that it cost me and then I didn't feel well the next morning so that made the problems that I had already worse when I did that that, that was wrong and depression and, and music and, and every eating and, and, and even going to the store, right? But those things never helped me. Those things aren't going to help you either. And if you know, if you're a born-again believer in Christ, you know those things don't help you. Well, what is the real answer to dealing with them? Well, I say from now I, I know Christ. It's the way Paul displays for us in this section. The answer is Jesus Christ... And giving over or surrendering all the things that come upon us that we can't handle, which is a lot of, almost everything, to Him. Uh, I want to explain this, this giving over or surrendering. Think of in your mind, if you will, uh, that you have like a platter. Like this platter that's as big as like the earth. And then you've got all these problems and these issues that are over to the side. You know, whatever's going on, uh, my problems with my mother, or my problems with my brother, or all my problems at work, all these bosses being mean, all my kids won't listen. Oh, what am I going to do? I'm not gonna have, we're, gonna, we're not going to have any money to, to pay the bills. Oh, no. And I want you to put them, put, take those issues and then place them on that platter so that they're all sitting on that platter. And I, I mean, you can visualize this because I have done this. And this is a huge way God has helped me deal with the issues that have been too much for me. And then I want you to take the, that platter and then um, visualize Jesus Christ because the Bible says he's always there with us. If you're his, he's there with you. If you're not there, or if you're not his, he's, he's right there for you. But if you're his, he's right there with you. And then I want you to give that platter and put it in his hands. Pass the plate to Jesus Christ. If you do it correctly, in the truest sense, it means that you, this, this platter, you're giving everything to Jesus Christ. It means that you're settling in your mind, in your inward man, woman, or child. You're settling it that the matters that you're worried about, you're, you're, you're saying, I'm not going to worry about them anymore. I gave them to Jesus Christ. He's going to completely take care of them. And you believe it through faith and through trust. Because faith, by having faith, is the only way to please God. And you're going to completely take, that he's going to completely take care of them, right? And that the issues, although they're still there, he's going to fix them. And so you don't have to worry about them anymore. You give them to him. You complete, that's what Paul did with, to the Ephesian elders. Says, I commend you to God. I can't, I can't deal with all that you, that's going to happen to you. I love you guys so much. And I can't, if I run away, I'm still going to worry. So you know what? I'm going to commend you. <laughs> I'm going to commend you to God. And, I'm, and I've given you the, the word of God. And I'm going to commend you to God's grace. Because God's grace is, again, the only way to help you deal with anything. God's grace, knowing that he has it for you. I'm commending you. I'm giving you over to God. I'm giving the knowledge of all the problems that are going to happen to you. I'm going to give them over to God. And I'm not going to worry about them. I'm not going to stress about them. I'm going to believe God and trust God that he's got them. I'm going to surrender them. Surrender my issues to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ described it like this, Matthew 11, 28, 29, one of my favorite sections of Scripture. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he does. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He said there, you'll find rest for your souls. You know how when you've been stressed out about something and you've been worried about it? Because I've been there. I've been there. Oh, no. What's going to happen here? Oh, no. Let's get looking ahead. Jesus said, look, look to today. Tomorrow has its own trouble. Look to today and figure out today. There's a reason he said that, because when we look to the future, something we cannot control, something that we're not there, we can't even have a hand in, right? Then we, we oh, we're still out of control, and we are. But God is in control, right? And when we give them to him, surrender and giving him over all the issues that are too much for us to handle is the only way for us to have peace. And Jesus said, for I am gentle and lowly heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This rest for your souls is this peace that God wants us to walk in as his children. Another way we do this, uh, you can do this by just putting that platter. Paul gives us his way. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. You know, you've heard all these verses before, right? But, but have you ever thought about them like this? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. That means uh, giving them over, praying, God, here, take these. Supplication, God, help me. That's what supplication is. With thanksgiving, thanking God, and that means, hey, you, I know you got them, Lord God. I know you got them, right? I'm going to pray about them. I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to ask you for help with them, and then I'm going to thank you because I know you got them. That's the perfect picture right there. Let your requests be made known to God. And look at verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Paul said something, and I've been teaching this for a long time. I remember I used to teach to my youngest son when I used to go to bed, put him to bed every night and give him a, sing him like a Christian song that would just come to my heart. But uh, Paul said another one here, Romans 10, 13, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now contextually, that means that we're coming to Christ for salvation. But what God has also shown me, another facet to that verse, another facet to that idea that Paul gave there is, for God's children that are already saved, when we call upon the name of the Lord and we're in trouble, or we have an issue that's too much for us, or something that we're dealing with that we can't handle, and we, God, 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 save us, please save me from this issue, save me from this problem, save me from this, 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 this guy at work, save me from whatever. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So when he hears us call upon him, he'll save us. He'll deliver us. In some way, if we put our trust in him, we call on him and put our trust in him, he'll save us and deliver us from whatever we're going through. Listen, Jesus Christ is the only one that can save both your eternal soul and your temporal problems and your terrible situations on earth. No one or nothing else can save you, whether in this life or the after, after it's all extinguished, no one can save you either in either place. No one. Christians, please surrender and rest in Christ and give all your issues over to Jesus every day. Whenever they pop up or when other, whenever they rear their ugly heads. Have victory in the category of the issues that are too much for you to handle by surrendering them and giving them all things over to Jesus Christ and have rest for your souls, as Jesus Christ said there in the Gospel of Matthew. And that's my first major point, and I, and I really hope that one sticks with you. That one really stuck with me over this past week as I was making this sermon, and that would have been the first one that I'd done. Moving forward, because we have to get through our whole section, I don't just teach on little, little snippets. I teach on the whole Word of God, the whole counsel of God. Let's move on from that powerful idea in that verse to another one that's also found in that verse. So verse 32 again, but there's a second half, but the first half again, just, you know, just to read it all together. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and the Word of His grace, and all that, that would be all that we just spoke about. And in the result of him doing this for himself, he says to them that in doing this act, that in giving them over to God, giving them God's word, giving them God, you know, showing them God's grace, so on and so forth, he says, which is able or or, a help to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst all those 
who are sanctified. Those who are sanctified means those that are set apart in Christ, those that have been saved. Him surrendering them over to Jesus Christ was able, did you notice, or made it possible for them to be built up or become strong in Jesus Christ. And the second part there, able to give them an inheritance from God along with the other, other people that had been saved. This huge note to this second point of the sermon there is as Paul says that him giving them over to God and Jesus Christ and giving them God's word and grace was able or made it possible to build them up and give them an inheritance. Notice there that the part of the context of that verse was their inheritance, right? And, and ladies and gentlemen, a Christian or a born-against person, inheritance is their eternal life. In Jesus Christ. It's the same one that James speaks about, and it's the same one that Paul speaks about in his epistles. It's the inheritance of eternal life. It's going to heaven when we die. Well, remember all the things that I spoke about last week, right? The verbiage Paul used when he told them that he was leaving them. Remember their blood not being on his head because he was their watchman on the wall, and, and about the savage wolves. You know, I've kind of talked about it today, right? All the people that would rise up and draw the people away, and, and how his saying those things. Remember, prove the doctrine of OSAS or O-S-A-S or once saved, always saved, false. Because remember, he would have never said all those things, their blood that is not on his head anymore in regards to their walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because remember, if OSAS or once saved, always saved is a true doctrine, nothing anybody can do can have a bearing on your eternal life. You're either saved if you're saved and you're going to be saved and you can't ever lose it, or you're not saved and, you know, then God's hoping that you get saved and so on and so forth. So Paul there in verse 32 of this same section that we're in here just said that him giving them over to God, Jesus Christ, was able or made it possible to give them an inheritance. Again, if once saved, always saved, were a true doctrine. Paul would have never said this statement about their eternal life, which is supposedly guaranteed in that doctrine. If you have a guaranteed eternal life, how can anything anybody does help you to gain that inheritance? That's what Paul said there. What he did was going to help them or, or make, it, make, that, make it able for them to get that inheritance. But he was speaking to people, the elders, you're not going to become an elder unless you're saved. That was the requirement, Paul's requirements for becoming an elder was that you, you had to be a true Christian. You had to be truly born again. So if, if, if the doctrine of once saved, always saved were true, nothing he said there would make sense because nothing he could do could stop them from getting that inheritance or making it able for them to grab that inheritance because they would have already had it, right? He, he would have, he said that it, if the one saved, always saved doctrine was correct, he would have said that what he was doing would build them up in Jesus Christ with no reference to anything concerning their eternal life. If, I'll say it one more time. If once saved, always saved doctrine is true, when someone is born again, then their eternal inheritance or reward is guaranteed to them. That's what the doctrine states, meaning they can't lose or forfeit their salvation. And nothing anyone can do can influence that to stop you going to heaven or to allow you to go to heaven because you already have that inheritance. Yet that's what Paul said, him doing what he was doing, giving them over to God, surrendering them over to God, giving them God's word, commending them God's grace, was able to give them, able to help them grant them eternal life amongst those that were already saved, right? And how can then anyone do that if the one saved, always saved doctrine is true? So again, second major point, once saved, always saved is a false doctrine. Please don't be deceived by it. Uh, it's, it's all throughout the Bible. You must endure to the end in Christ Jesus if you're following him already to continue on in the faith. 
and to be saved eternally. So, all right, enough of that verse and enough of my second point, second major point. Let's move on to the third and next and last major point of the message. Look at what Paul says next. Read verses 33 through 35. We're going to read through them. I'm going to generalize them, and then I'm going to focus on them after I'm all done. Paul says this, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. He's making a statement. Hey, guys, I've been amongst you these three years. And, and I've never looked at the things that you guys have had and gone, oh, man, I wish I had those things. Oh, man, I want, I want that guy's purse. Oh, I, I want that guy's gold. Oh, I want all oh, that. Those are a nice pair of clothes. He said, he said, I never did that. Verse 34, yes, you yourselves know these thing, that these things or that these hands have provided for my necessities, meaning I've worked for myself. And for those who were with me. So not only have I worked to provide for myself, but hey, those that were with me, and remember he went there with like Timothy, and he went there with Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, for Paul or for God. And so he said, my working supplied for my necessities, the things that I needed, along with those who were with me. 35. I have shown you in every way, so in all my ways of life, by laboring like this, working like I have, that you must support the weak. Meaning that... He was the strong one in Christ. They were the weak ones in Christ. He was trying to build them up, and he wanted to show the weak ones in Christ, hey, this is how it's done. I don't rely on you. I want to be there for you to build you up. I don't want to suck you dry. That's his whole message there. And I showed you that I did this by not being a burden on you financially. right? And remember, he goes on to say, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, and that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So that's the idea of what he was saying there. Now, now the bigger question is, remember, he's there, he's giving him this discourse, uh, you know, I'm leaving, all these bad things are going to happen to you, and, you know, hey, I give you over to God, and that's going to that's gonna help you get to your inheritance like those other people that are saved, you know, in the whole world. And, and now I tell you about my financial accountability. What, what, what? <laughs> Where does this idea of how he was financially accountable and fair to them and how he didn't receive any provision for them by working a J-O-B for himself and supporting himself and those with him, then ending with the words of Jesus and being more blessed than, you know, to give than to receive right here and right now with his discourse with them? What, what, how does that even fit? I mean, we're all terrible things. I'm leaving you. Uh, you're, you're the shepherds now. Hey, you know, I commend you over to God. And oh, by the way, I've also been financially fair with you. How does that even fit? And as I was praying, God had to remind me because I was like, well, God, why did Paul, why did Paul even interject that there? Why did he even say I'm, I've been financially fair with you guys in the midst of all this other stuff? Well, it absolutely fits contextually. God had to remind me. Because of the whole section and a problem that was a super terrible problem in the early church. As I've already said, the whole context of the whole section came from verses 25 through 31. Hey, you know, Paul's there. I'm going to be leaving you. Um, you know, after I, after I leave, the savage wolves are going to come in, not sparing the flock. You know, men from yourselves are going to come in and draw the disciples away. Therefore, be careful. Remember all the time I was with you. I warned you these things. Uh, well, how does the fact of these savage wolves and people among them that would speak perverse things to draw Christ's followers away from them tie into why Paul says uh, what he did about being financially fair with them? Well, because of that very terrible practice that people were taking part of in the first century church. And that would be my third main idea of today, freeloading. The third and last major point of the message was or is freeloading. Uh, here's how it applies. Here's where the rubber meets the road, okay? When God puts his Holy Spirit in someone, okay, like, you know, like I've experienced, like hopefully you out there listening or most of you out there listening would have experienced God putting his Holy Spirit inside of you. Uh, when we became born again, when anybody becomes born again, this changes them drastically and dramatically. People become godlike in the areas of their life of loving others. And that would be unconditional 
love, right? Even those that hate us and persecute us, I I love them. I don't know how I love them. I just love them. And it's like my flesh wants to hate, but my my inward man's love. And it gives me peace to love them, even though they're hurting me and even though they're hating me. So one of those changes. Uh, Another one, being caring. Oh, man. Oh, those people went through that terrible thing. Oh, man. You know, showing compassion, right? Being kind-hearted right? I was never kind-hearted or caring or loving when, before I became a Christian, right? Uh, becoming, here's another one, super honest, right? I can't even, I can't even hardly jokingly make a fib now to joke. It's, it's hard for me to even do that, let alone lie. I would actually tell someone something to deceive them. I, wow, that's like holy camoly. I can't even think it, right? Another one, uh, I became humble. A lot of people, uh, that's, that's a common cr- Christian trait, Humility, uh, sacrificial. I'll do whatever it takes to help, and it doesn't matter what it costs me. Sacrificial, super generous and giving, amongst many others, just as the Word of God says. But the one that most applies to why Paul said what he did about his financial honesty among them and supporting himself is that true born again believers that are abiding in Jesus Christ and haven't walked away and they're still fighting the good fight of faith and following Christ become super generous and giving and freeloading just think of how those two connect freeloading was a huge problem because well faker christians so pretenders or frauds these savage wolves as paul called them would come to these to the christian churches you know the ones that paul planted the one that, like in jerusalem and say they were apostles say they were prophets sent from god as real christians and they demanded you see with no proof of this they would just say hey i'm a i'm an apostle of christ you know hey, you know they demanded and expected the church to support them and take care of them so guess what they didn't have to work They were lazy. They were taking full advantage of the love and generosity of the giving of of, of those Christians there to help them uh, that Christians are well known for. And then freeloading off of them. Well, people still do this today uh, for your information. Fake apostles and others as well too. Me and my family and many I've known to be true followers of Jesus Christ have been taken advantage of by these fraud Christian freeloaders so many times now, I, I can't even count. And that's how many times it's happened to me and my family and others. So many times, I, I, I can't even count it. And everyone that I've ever met that's ever taken advantage of me, that I've allowed it, uh, they've always had a story. Oh, oh, soaps or oh, this, that, and, and the other thing, oh, this problem, oh, this disaster, oh, woe is me, woe is me, please help me, I'm homeless, I'm hungry, uh, I need gas money, oh, I need money to pay the rent, oh, 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 and et cetera, and et cetera, and et cetera, and the list could go on. And of course, the, those that have approached me with these requests have come to me because, guess what? Well, because I was a follower of Jesus Christ and because they figured that they could take advantage of my godly generosity or the giving nature that Jesus Christ has given me. They even often have come to the church. I, had, I remember this one fellow about three or four years ago who came to the church and he, he was an apostle and he was, I don't know, from St. Louis or something, kind of in the Midwest there. God told me to, to take off and, and that you know he would supply for me along the way. So here we go. We saw... Uh, a church sign in the yard, knock, 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 knock. Hey, oh, sir, oh, you know, I'm out of gas. I'm out of this, I'm out of that. You know, I, I helped him, unfortunately. I wish I wouldn't have now because as, I, as he left and as I gave him God's provision for me and the church and my family, God reminded me that if he had sent somebody on a trip like that, then he would have provided for the means for them to go, not just freeload, on others along the way, because as the scripture gives us reference, just even today, Paul says, look at my, look at my example, how I've worked to J-O-B to provide for myself and not be a freeloader. Uh, it's, it's terrible. Those taking advantage of, of Christians' godly generosity has been a huge problem since the very, very beginning of Christ's church being established. 2 Thessalonians 3, 5-15. I'm just going to read it over just so you see the problems. But we commend you, brethren, 
we, we commend you, brethren, that he's lifting them up, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which we re- you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you. Nor do we eat anyone's bread free of charge. Hey, we're here. We're, you know, we're Christ apostles. Feed us. No, 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 no. We didn't eat anybody's bread free of charge. But again, he says here, but worked with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any one of you. Not because we did not have the authority, because he did. Paul had the authority to say, hey, we're here. We are from Christ. You know that. We've got, we're from Jerusalem. You can check with them, and, and they did. And so, and so not because we have the authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. Verse 10, for even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Well, there's only the only reason he would have said, he would have reminded them of this, is if it a fact that, there, well, it wasn't a problem. Like, if it wasn't a problem, he would have never brought it up. That's, that's the way things kind of make it into Scripture. If things are a problem, look at the book of Revelation. Look at all the seven churches. Oh, I commend you for this, but, 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 you, you know, this, that, and the other thing, and he tells them all the things that are wrong. So Paul tells them this, reminding them of how he did it, and hey, guess what? If, if anyone will not work, he won't eat. And if you think I'm wrong, verse 11, for we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busy bodies. Can you say that word that this third section of scripture is, you know, that I, I highlighted here? Freeloading. They were being freeloaders. And we heard it, and now we heard it. Now here, verse 12, now here's how to handle it. Now those who are such, we command and exhort through the Lord Jesus Christ that they work in all quietness and eat their own bread. Hey, don't let them freeload. Don't, don't let them do it. Stop them. Don't let them do it. Verse 13. So basically, cut them off. If they won't work, then they don't eat. But oh, oh but oh, Pastor Paul. Oh, Pastor Paul, brother, brother Matthias, he doesn't have any food and his family's starving. Brother Paul, well, brother, does he work a job? Well, no, brother Paul, you know, things are tough and, and he, this and that, and he, well, we have it. Unless he, unless you can prove that these catastrophes happened to him and he's been a solid soldier among you for many years, cut him off. And that's basically what Paul said there. That's what Paul said. If the man won't work, no matter what he's, no matter what problems he's having, if he's being lazy and he's being freeloading, cut him off. Right? Verse 13. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and don't keep company with him that he may be ashamed. Hey, so if that one doesn't doesn't like what I say. Or, you know, that freeloader or, or you know, that, that guy there because, you know, they want to do that. If they don't agree with what I'm saying, don't even have fellowship with them. Don't even talk to them. Just let them go. Cut them off completely as if you don't even know them. Right? 15. Yet do not count them as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So don't have anything to do with him in regards to what I'm telling you here that he doesn't agree with. Cut them off and don't help them. Admonish him as a, as a brother and, hey, man, you need to go to work. You need to do what's right in the sight of God. You need to stop freeloading because right now all you're doing is being lazy. And so this was a problem. And this was, again, to the Church of Thessalonia, which they had this problem. Okay, And so this has been a problem since the very beginning. So now, do you see why here Paul reminds them of the fact that he has been financially faithful towards them, even working for himself to provide for himself, not being a freeloader. Paul was giving these elders the example to look for in the person among them or the savage wolves disguised as real apostles that would come to them who were trying to take advantage of them financially. He wanted them to be aware of what a real child of God looked like, him, and the ways he lived, and to watch out for those that would come in and try to, you know, take advantage of them, try to get over on them, try to freeload off of them. He said this because he wanted them to be wise as to who they accepted and trusted into their congregation and who they didn't. And and Jesus Christ said that you would know who someone loved and served by the fruit 
in which they lived, whether good or bad. Freeloading was and is a terrible problem to the Christian church and and to all Christian churches everywhere. Now, on that note, am I saying that we as Christians should not be generous or giving to all because of this? Was Paul telling them not to be generous or giving at all to anyone because of his news? Remember, all that he said to cut off were those that were pretending to be Christians and those who wouldn't work, who refused to work, basically, and all they wanted to do is freeload. So I'm not saying everyone, uh, but just like the examples that Paul gave today, we need to be careful that we aren't giving our money away to people that are purposely trying to take advantage of us because of our generosity and spirit of giving, and not just be like dumb sheep giving away God's provision that he gave to us, to those trying to take advantage of us, right? He, he gives us provision to provide for our families and his church, the truly, honestly needy children of God. And these are first and foremost. And by truly needy, we know them. This brother's been my brother for a long time. He's held down a job and he's been faithful to support his family. But you know, his job laid him off. And, you know, he's looking for another one. And he, he has uh, these interviews. And, and you know, he, he's, he's looking for something. But, but, you know, him and his family aren't going to be able to eat this week. Well, then, you know what? You, you help. You help and you be generous. That's what I'm telling you. But, but now, now Fred comes into the church. And, and, and Fred, it's his first time at church. And, you know, Fred's in there and he starts in and he, oh, praise the Lord. And his hands are waving and he's singing aloud. Then after church, what does he do? He migrates around all the different Christian groups. Oh, hey, brother. Oh, oh, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Oh, man, praise God. Oh, but you know what? Cause, and you'll know right away what they want to do, right? All that, what, they, what they mainly want to do, get the trivialities out of the way, and then they want to ask you for money. Then they oh, brother, oh, my car, you know, I just doesn't, you know, I, I mean, I... Cannot tell you the MO or mode of operation has been the same since I've been almost 20 years in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I've seen this happen time and time and time and time again and see if it happened to me. And by golly, I, I can't tell you, just be warned, as Paul said here, and don't give your provision, the provision that God gave you for your family and his church and, and God's true needy children, first and foremost, uh, give them your help first. The one that you know and you sense is t- trying to take advantage of you. Cut them off. As Paul said to the Thessalonians, don't even keep company with them. Don't, just, just get away from them. Right? We, there is a part there for those in the world that, that are not saved to help them too. But again, not those that are trying to take advantage of you. Uh, not and, and especially not for the pretender Christian or otherwise that's trying to take advantage of you because they don't want to work and they want to be lazy, right? We're not just supposed to throw away God's provision to us that are being <clears throat> faithful to God, to those that are being deceitful and dishonest and trying to take advantage of us and rob us deceitfully. Christians, be careful. Be wise. Jesus commanded us to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And and. Be careful who you're generous with. Look out for and guard yourself and your family and your church from those ungodly freeloaders that are still out there today. And they really still are. Truly, 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 follow the words of Paul. Follow the words of the Bible. If they won't work, they don't eat. And the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write that. And that means that we don't give them the provision that God has blessed us with like dumb sheep. Uh, again, Matthew 10, 16, Behold, Jesus said, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. This world is full of wolves. And what do wolves do to sheep? <laughs> well, they don't go have tea with them. They don't go and they don't have, you know, oh, let's have a barbecue. Well, they do say let's have a barbecue, but guess, who the, guess who's on the main course? Well, it isn't the food that they bought. It's you. It's you. So remind, be reminded of who you're around. I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Don't hurt them. Don't hate them. Don't despise them. Just don't fall prey to them. Stop getting eaten. I stopped getting eaten. If somebody comes, just a general, what I do, oh, oh brother man, oh, brother man, oh, I'm really, I'm really hurting. You know, I, I got this car and it, it needs this alternator. 
Oh, I don't know how am I going to get the money to get this alternator and it won't run. Oh, really? Oh, you need an alternator? All right, well, come on, let, let's go to the auto parts store. What? Yeah, I'll, I'll come on, let's go get your alternator. Well, I, I, got, th I got this or that. Or other th I got to go here. Or I got to go there. I'm like, well, I, listen, I'm not going to give you the money to buy the alternator. But what I will do is I'll, I'll help you go buy the I'll, I'll go down to the AutoZone or Discount Auto Parts with you, and I'll, and I'll buy it for you. And then, you know, we'll, we'll help you put it in, or I'll, I'll find somebody, or, you know, oh, well, um, you know what, I'll, I'll come back. <laughs> I have never yet had somebody that was trying to take advantage of me that wasn't thankful that I offered to go buy him the part. Here, here's another one. Oh, brother, I'm so hungry. Oh, I haven't eaten. I haven't eaten in two days. Oh, I'm so sorry for that. Hey, we'll hop in the car. Let's go to the Kroger. What, 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 what? Well, I'm going to buy you some food. Yeah, come on. I'll, I'll, I'll buy it for you. I'll, I'll walk in there and we'll get you a few things. I'll, I don't know. I'll, 20 bucks. And, I, you know, for 20 bucks, hey, me and my family eat on X a week and there's four of us and we're, you know, big people. Hey, 20 bucks for you alone. That should feed you for like a whole, that should feed you for at least three, four days. And then, you know, if you're still having trouble getting a job, oh, well, I, I was just hoping that you'd give me, give me the money and I could go buy what I needed. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, brother. You know, I, I can go, you know, the Lord's showing me I got to be wise with my money and, you know, I'm not rich and I got to, you know, got to watch out who I, you know, give to. And those are just some things to be aware of. Hey, that's how you stay out of. You're still helping. You're still being generous, but you're being wise as a serpent and, and not dumb like a sheep. So just FYI. It's just, that's the way to handle situations like that. Because if you've been a truly saved, born-again person, you will run into these situations. They, they are going to happen to you. They, they, have, they have probably already happened to you hundreds of times. So FYI. Closing it up. What a section. What a section. Paul really did have some tough things to share with them. I would say so. He did. But you might be surprised to see what they took the hardest. Look at our last verses of today. Look at verses 36 through 38. Look, look at what they received as the hardest things that they had of all that Paul had to say. Verse 36 through 38. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and, Paul, and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. He had to say his goodbyes and they had to say his goodbyes to them. They loved Paul with an undying love, and Paul loved them with an undying love. And in a shocking twist as to why I would have expected them to be weeping and kissing him on the neck as they were praying and, and saying their goodbyes, verse 38, sorrowing, it says here, most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied to the ship. I cannot believe after all the terrible things that Paul shared with them of the bad things that were going to happen to them and all the things that they had been through already, that the worst thing that they cried about was that they weren't going to see him again. And that just shows me this, this, this bond of love that Paul had with these Ephesians. And Christians, this, this is the type of love that we should have for one another. Their love ascended, if you think about it. They, they looked past or, or ascended above. They, they looked above all the bad things that were going to happen to them, even the danger that Paul said that they could have to their own eternal life, right? with him leaving, the savage wolves and the people rising up from among, from among them, they looked beyond that, above that, past that, and all their problems that they were going to have, and they looked past them all to Paul, to their love for him, and how sad they were going to be because he was leaving them. Wow. Awesome, awesome, awesome love. Uh, in closing, uh, recapping the three main points for today. Point number one, surrender, Christians. Giving up all issues that are too much for you to handle uh, to Jesus Christ for your walk with Him and your peace with Him and your rest with Him. God, God really just spoke to me. Uh, you know, this surrender, giving up all issues that are too much for you. How do you know when an issue is too much for you? How do we know? Because it's something that God just put on my heart as I was just speaking now. How do we know, oh, that one's too much for us? Well, I'll tell you, here's what God shows me because it's my own, right, my own experience. How we know is that when I'm being consumed in my worry about it, 
when I can't get it off my mind and it's stopping me from sleeping, when I'm so stressed about it, I'm shaking. When I'm so stressed about it, all I want to do is run to the refrigerator. It's time to give it to God. It's time to surrender and give it all up the way to the Lord Jesus Christ and let him handle it. That's what you ought to do because that's the way a child of God is supposed to do things. Point number two, not falling prey to the false doctrine of OSAS or once saved, always saved and becoming what, what, what happens to people that believe this doctrine. And I've known lots of people that have fallen into the OSAS doctrine is that they become lax on the way that they live holy for God. You see, because if I'm saved and I know I've been born again, well then, you know what? It doesn't really matter how I live. And, and that's true, because if, if once saved, always saved is accurate, and I'm born again and I'm saved, then according to that doctrine, well, I no longer have to be focused on, well, I can, I don't, it doesn't matter whether I swear, it doesn't matter whether I obey the law or, you know, follow Christ's words, because, hey, I've been saved. And that's the danger of the OSAS doctrine and, and believing it. And really what happens is you become lax concerning your eternal life. And, and the race that Paul said we're running to get that. Well, Paul gave the analogy of running a race for the eternal life that, uh, that's in Jesus Christ. And if we're running a race, that means we've got to get to the finish line. Nobody is uh, finished with the race until they reach the finish line. How can we be reaching the finish line? How can we be reaching the finish line if we've stopped and we've come up short? We've, we've come up, you know, because we've stopped running. And so that's what the danger of the OSAS doctrine is. We need to strive to be like he told us to be, to live like he told us to live, to obey his words, to trust in him fully, and to abstain from all forms of sexual immorality and all forms of sin and live for Christ as he is our God. Live for Christ until we die. Number three, point three, doggone Christians. Please start testing those that say they are of God, even those that say they are apostles. Uh, but just as wolves in sheep's clothing, they desire to take advantage of your generosity and your, your heart of giving. And, and, if, and if they fail the test, and many will, many will, rebuke them. Tell them to get lost. Rebuke them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and tell them, this is what you need to do, brother, sister, if you are a brother and sister. The Bible says work. Work for what you need. Not go to the church or not come to me and freeload. Help those Christians that are in need of help. Listen, if, if the greatest apostle ever, the Apostle Paul, worked a J-O-B at a church that he was the leader of the leaders, he was the pastor's pastor, okay? If he worked at J-O-B to give us an example of how real godly people were to be, then if someone says they're truly godly, then we should expect them to be supporting them and their families and not freeloading off of us who labor for God in his kingdom and to provide for our families. It's common sense. We have to get past the heart of that heartwarming, oh, I just want to help people. And we have to look to what will help them. Because if we give people things, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to help them. If we're helping them stay in their reprobate state, we're not helping them at all. Christians, all these, please focus, all amazing, awesome points that I hope all my followers and listeners out there that are true followers of Jesus Christ will take to heart. Please, Christians, work on living these godly ways that the Bible says are for God's children. And please continue to follow Jesus Christ in his ways and lifestyle until he comes back or you die. That's all my exhortations to my fellow Christians. I hope you gathered a lot, took notes, remember those things because they're super, super important. Now, I had mentioned earlier in the message that I would discuss the type of surrender that's necessary for people to become children of God, so saved and born again. Well, here that is. Remember I told you that the surrender, giving it all over to God, was very similar from a Christian, the way we give it over to the Lord and how someone surrenders or gives it all away to Jesus Christ to become a child of God. Well, here's how it's different. 
It's the same in that we give it all the way to Jesus Christ, but it's in the watch you give away, right? What a, if you are not saved, if you're not born again, that would mean if your life hasn't been changed by Jesus Christ and God's Holy Spirit coming within you, and, which means that you're not, living, you're not even striving to live a godly lifestyle. You're not, even, you're not striving to live holy. You're not striving to follow the Bible's words. You don't, you, know, you don't have a communion with God every day. You're not really focused on His Word. You just live for yourself. This would be for you. Well, surrender, giving it all over to Jesus Christ is the key, but what to give away is the key. Jesus Christ says it's your life and your heart. The same way, in a sense, the Bible says that a man would give his heart to a woman in marriage or a woman would give, his, give her heart to a man, but just in a spiritual way, which means that you decide, you make a decision in your heart of hearts to come to Jesus Christ and surrender or give away your inner man or woman in, in your heart to Jesus Christ. And, and as I was, you know, I wasn't even thinking about this, but God laid an awesome account on my mind that I had just actually listened to. I sometimes read the Bible, and I sometimes listen to the Bible for my daily devotion time, and I love listening to the Bible. I get certain things out of listening, and I get certain things out of reading, and I just listened to, just Saturday morning, the book of Ruth, and I listened to the whole book of Ruth, and, and Ruth brought me to tears as I was listening because surrender or giving, and this is what God brought to me after the fact, surrender, giving your life heart away to Jesus Christ is identical to Ruth, the Old Testament character. You see, Ruth, let me, let me tell you a little bit about her. Uh, her circumstances were she was in the land of Moab. She was just a chick in the land of Moab. And see, Naomi and her husband, they went ahead and they went to the land of Moab. There was like a famine in the land of, in Israel. So they go there and Naomi and her husband, they have two kids. Melian and Chilion. And these two kids, well, they get married. And one of the chick's names that they get married to was Ruth. Well, all, you just out of nowhere, bad, bad things happen to Naomi, and her husband and both her sons die, leaving her a widow with no grandchildren and two, uh, and two daughters-in-law. Thank you, Lord. I, I could, forgot that. just slipped my mind for a moment. Two daughters-in-law. So she's like, you know what? I'm not hanging out here in the land of Moab no more. She heard that God came back to Israel and helped Israel out with the famine. And so she's like, you know, let's go home. I'm going home. So they're on their way home. And it's Naomi and, and Ruth and, and Orpah. I believe that was, Naomi, that was Ruth's sister. And they're all heading home. And Naomi realizes, hey, by you ladies coming with me, you realize that in our laws, in our land, which is if you come, that's what you got to live by, that I, you won't, you'll be husbandless till you die. I can't, if I would have had kids now, and, and, and they were to be in my womb now, and he would have them birth right now. Would you wait 15 years or 18, whatever it was, however long they had to wait to get married? Would you wait a decade or more to get married again and have a husband? And so she's like, please go home to your own land where you can live under your own rules, and you can get married, and you can have families, and you can, you know, sow your seed, and you can be, you know, you can be, have a family, and you can do things. And you, with me, you're going to be like you're nothing. You're, you're giving up everything if you come with me. Well, they all cried together, all cried together. Ruth's sister, she goes, eh, and she's right. And she goes home. She goes home to Moab. But Ruth says, you know what? Wow, no way. I'm not leaving you. And, he, and she says it like this. So she says no right away, but then Naomi even exhorts her more. No, 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 please. You're giving up everything if you're going with me. Please don't come. I don't want to see you become nothing. I'm already nothing. Pretty much God hates me. I've lost everything. I don't want you to be like me. And then Ruth replies with this, even after Naomi's second time that she said, no, 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 don't come with me. And this simple reply by Ruth is the exact way that someone wanting to surrender or give their life away to Jesus Christ and be saved would do that. Ruth says this, Entreat me not to leave you or turn back from you or turn back from following you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I'll be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts us. You see, Ruth and her sister lived in a very pagan land. And they're pagan land, kind of like the lives that we live before Christ. As I just described you earlier, you don't follow Christ. You live your life for yourself. Well, you're living a pagan life. Now, Ruth 
and, and her sister, they lived a pagan lives in the land of Moab. And when Ruth made a decision in her heart of hearts to say, I'm going with you, she knew that that meant giving up that pagan way of life and making a decision in her heart. Not, not that the works saved her, but it was making the decision in her heart to say, you know what, I'm not going to live in my old land and live in that pagan life anymore. I'm going to come to your land and I'm going to be like you. And even if I lose everything, I'm going to follow your God. And that's what it means to really become a Christian. Making a decision in your inward man or inward woman to forsake all your whole life and all your customs and all your old life as a, as a Moabite, okay, as I say, is just where it lines up with the, what I just talked about, and decide to follow Christ and decide to do what he says. Just like Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Give up himself. Follow me. Take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Give up everything. Forsake all. And follow Jesus Christ. And stop fooling around with God. And that's what it means to give it all away and become a saved, born-again Christian in your heart of hearts. And God knows if you do or not. And it's not a, it doesn't have to be a prayer. It just has to be a heart change. I realize that I'm wrong, God. I realize that I don't live a godly life. I, live, I realize that I don't live for Jesus Christ. I don't follow Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm not a Christian. And then saying, like Ruth, no, I make a decision here and now. I will not be a pagan anymore. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. No matter even if it costs me everything, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. If that's you and you know who you are, please come today. He's waiting for you. He gave up everything to win your heart, to show you that he loves you. Please come today, surrender, and be born again. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for your grace. We uh, thank you, Lord God, for bringing us here and give us another day. We ask, Lord God, that you would uh, bless the hearts of the listeners and that they would remember the things that we talked about and make the changes as even myself, cause, Lord, because I listen to this message too, but Lord, that we would make the changes in our lives that need to be made because, Lord, we're all, we all should be sanct- being sanctified more and more and more each and every day. And these issues that I talked about today are definite issues in our world today. I pray, dear God, please, that we would focus on these things that your word brought up today and that we would make the changes and focus on doing them as we continue to live our lives in Christ Jesus for those of us that are yours. For, for those that are not yours, Lord God in heaven, I pray that they would repent. And I pray that they would give up their pagan lives. And I pray that they would turn to Jesus Christ and make a decision to live for him. We love you and praise you and ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.